Welcome to this, the next edition of our daily devotions coming to you from Church of the Palms in Sarasota, Florida. Always grateful for this opportunity to share with you from God's Word and to give us all an opportunity to reflect upon what God might be saying to us this day. So to prepare for these things, let us take some time to listen to some beautiful piano music. pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, our scripture today comes to us from the gospel according to Luke, the fifth chapter, beginning at the first verse. Hear the word of God. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats and the one belonging to Simon and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all day long and night for catching fish, but we've caught nothing. Yet, if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to burst. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astounded at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. And when they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When you read this story in Luke chapter 5, for many people it dawns on them that they may have heard a similar story from somewhere else in the Bible. So in this story, Jesus tells the disciples to put off the shore and then after teaching them, tells them to put out into the deep. And when they get out to the deep far enough, Jesus tells them to cast their nets. And Peter reminds Jesus that they've been fishing these waters all night and they've caught nothing. But well, to humor Jesus, he and the disciples cast their nets expecting to catch nothing. Instead, they catch more fish than they could ever imagine catching and they almost sink the boats. And it's this apparent miracle that stuns and humbles and inspires the disciples. Peter falls to his knees in humility and the disciples make a commitment to follow Jesus. This is the moment that begins their journey with Christ. Now, like I said, this story in Luke sounds a lot like another story in the Gospels. This one from the Gospel of John, a story of the disciples after the death and resurrection of Jesus. Setting is still the Sea of Galilee, though Luke calls it the Lake of Gennesaret. But this time the disciples are at sea, and I mean that more than just one way. They are at sea in that they have been out fishing all night, like the last story, but they're also at sea in this strange time that they're living in after the appearances of the resurrected Jesus. They're not sure what to make of things. It's dark just before sunrise, and they see a man on the shore who calls to them and tells them to throw their nets on the other side of the boat. Again, they're reluctant, but they go ahead anyway. And just like the other story, they catch more than they could ever imagine. They paddle to the shore, and the closer they get, the more they realize that that man that's called them to cast their nets is actually the resurrected Jesus. Jesus invites them to breakfast, and what follows is an intimate conversation between Jesus and Peter, in which Peter recommits his life to discipleship and apostleship. So very similar stories. Some think it's the same story, just used in different ways by different gospel writers. And if that's the case, then I wonder if the gospel writers are not trying to teach us something important for our spiritual journeys with Jesus. So our story in Luke takes place as Jesus is calling his disciples for the first time. He commands them to put out into the deep and to cast their nets, and their catch helps them to see who Jesus is, and they are inspired to follow him. At the beginning of faith, really, there is this call for Jesus, from Jesus, to, for us to put out into the deep. It's to explore that deeper life that Jesus is calling us into. It's to see also the richness of Christ and to want to follow, perhaps, for the first time. Something made those disciples drop their nets, and it was the deep and mysterious summons of Jesus. The second story, though, finds these same men much further along in their journey, but also in a crisis. Their master's been arrested, tried, convicted, executed, and, and then their three years with him seems to have all gone up in smoke. They're left in the shadows of disappointment and hurt and grief. And, and yet at the same time, some have seen Jesus. Some have recognized the appearances of the resurrected Jesus. And now Jesus has come to them while they wade above the deep. And in the midst of their doubt and uncertainty, they hear Jesus tell them to let down into the deep. And there they find what they need to continue on. They find what they need to 
journey further down the path, they find what they need to recommit themselves to the life of living with Jesus. And it makes me wonder if one of the lessons these two stories convey to us is the life of following Jesus and how it brings us to those moments that we don't necessarily want ourselves to be brought to, moments where we begin to be taken into the depths in order to have a new encounter with Jesus. Or to say it another way, the journey of following Jesus is not always an even one. It takes us over hill and dale and sometimes to places we don't want to be, sometimes experiences we don't want to have. And all of a sudden we feel like we're getting in over our head. But these are the places where we sometimes learn things we've never learned, we've never learned before and discover things about God we've never known before. C.S. Lewis, and I know it's maybe been at least a couple of weeks since I've mentioned his name. C.S. Lewis, after losing the love of his life, wrote a small book called A Grief Observed, in which he chronicles his own descent into grief and all the questions that followed him there, all the doubts that dogged him, this great defender of the faith, this one who had been an inspiration to millions and millions of people was now finding that the circumstances of life were doing a number on him. Where is God, he writes in this little book, A Grief Observed. Where is God? This is the one of the most disquieting symptoms of my grief. When you're happy, so happy that you have no sense of needing him, so happy that you're tempted to feel his claims upon you as an interruption, if you remember yourself and turn to him with gratitude and praise, you will be, or so it feels, welcomed with open arms. Uh, but to go to him when your need is desperate, when all other help is in vain, what do you find? Uh, you find a door slammed in your face and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside. And after that, silence. You may as well turn away. The longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. There are no lights in the windows. It might be an empty house. Was it ever inhabited? It seemed so once, and that seeming was as strong as this. What can all this mean? Why is God so present a commander in our time of prosperity and so very absent a help in time of trouble? Close quote. Clearly, Lewis had been drowning in grief and he couldn't sense in the valley of the shadow of death the presence of God and he felt like he was in over his head, this great pillar of faith for millions barely holding on. And yet, as you keep reading this little book, you see that as deep as he went and the longer he looked for the presence of God, he discovered in time this hand of God who was grasping him and leading him on. He learned something in the depths about the deep and mysterious love of God. I suppose it's all to say that Jesus meets us in different places and at different times, in good times and bad, when we are willing to heed his command to go with him into the deep. For it's in the depths where the mysterious things happen. Our feet may not be touching bottom, but our hands are reaching high, and we feel the grasp of the one who seeks to hold on to us. And as we do, we see that he fills our nets and with more than we could ever imagine. Let us pray. Oh God, we don't like those 
places where we can't touch bottom. We'd rather stay in the shallows. Help us to trust that where you take us, you will hold on to us and fill our nets and show us the new life. Amen.